coming to you from Podcast Detroit. It's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. And for future episode information and additional content, head over to herdpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at herdpodcast. And thanks for joining us for episode number three of Heard, an industry podcast. Uh, let's introduce who's with me today around the table. Uh, Vato. Vato. Uh, this is your first time with us, actually. You're, you're going to be uh, one of the regulars. Uh, tell us about yourself. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, some of the beverage, some of the front of the house, some of the back of the house. Uh, more of an enthusiast than an industry worker, but uh, been an enthusiast for a long, long, long time. Great. Can I ask you about your name? Yeah. Explain that. Like, oh, so, I thought you were asking me if you can ask me. No, 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 well, no, no. Well, I mean, yeah. So, yes. Can I ask you and tell me because it's like a like an acronym, right? Uh, no, Vato means dude in Spanish. Uh, oh, so I thought it like stood like Vincent, Andrew, <laughs> Thomas. Orangutan. <laughs> so, to the surprise of most, I am a government official uh, in law enforcement. I'm a police commander in Detroit, and uh, I've been in that. You just for, upped the credibility. I like did. Hundred <laughs> percent. For twenty years, I've been over twenty years. I've been doing that, and uh, as an artist, uh, liberals and conservatives usually don't mix very well. So, uh, early on in my career, I came up with the moniker to separate uh, both sides of the world. Nice. And as time went on, uh, I just kind of grew into both parts and. Uh, the moniker stuck. I like it. Thanks. Nick. Hi. Hello. I don't have a cool moniker, but I probably should because I feel like work's going to fire me someday. <laughs> You're the beverage director. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Boom. And Jason. Good evening. Uh, I have a cool moniker. It's called a celebration specialist. It's actually you, a lifestyle more than a moniker. You do, and you have a lot of the social media to go with it. I I try. A little later on, we're going to be joined by the winner of Hell's Kitchen. Holy Chef, crap. Chef Ryan. We're in our third episode and we're already getting national talent. Yes. Uh, she is a, uh, an old friend of mine, actually. And, um, she won, uh, last week, right? Thursday, Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever it was. Um, beat out 16 other chefs, uh, is going to take over a job at Yardbird in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, she's in Traverse City right now. Where's she at? Uh, where is she working? Yeah. Uh, she is, I don't know if she's working anywhere right now. She was working at Alliance right, okay. with, uh, Pete Peterson. Um, and, uh, she's worked at Cook's, Cook's House. Cool. Jen and Eric. It's a huge so. shout out. That's a huge win for Michigan, even though, you know, she's heading over to Vegas. Vegas, right. But, but it's, uh, yeah, the tension is there. Um, maybe Ramsey will eventually open a place in Traverse City or, or Detroit. Yeah. Who knows? Or uh, Vitaly or someone or. Yeah. 
I mean, Tally has money up there anyway. He's living in right, Newport right. during the summer. Um, okay. So last night, USBG winter mixer, fifth annual. Last night being, let's put a date oh, on it because we're it. not live. Right. That was February, February 6th. 6th. Yes. Monday, February 6th. At Jam Handy. Uh, awesome event space. If you're in the Metro Detroit area, check it out. They, um, it's basically a warehouse that they kind of rejiggered into a, um, place. Tons of people get married. Um, the facilities are, are pretty good. I mean, from an atmosphere perspective, though, it's awesome. Parking is horrible. Parking is horrible. But the, but correct, think the of downtown. You know, if you think of like a New York space, you know, parking's terrible there too. So yeah, you know, I know it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's it is, it is a, a very nice space. Um, and okay. As for the event though. Uh, it Food was sucked. Yeah. So bad. Well, I'm sorry about that. So guys. Bad. Sorry guys. Uh, explain that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the food was provided by Ackroyd's bakery. Um, the first kind of booze centered event that we've major uh, scale. Yeah. Major scale booze centered event. Cause that we did catered. the scotch tasting like two years ago. Right. And we, uh, and we did that large scale event in Ohio over the Hi, summer. <laughs> uh, but, uh, this one, uh, it went really well. Uh, hot food throughout the night for everyone. Lots of carbs, macaroni and cheese pies, lamb curry pies. Everything was a pie. A decadent um, uh, chocolate with the um, what was a cookie batter. Oh yeah, there? yeah. So that was a. Uh, so we took our shortbread and mm-hmm. blended it with canola oil and Woodford Reserve and put it on dark chocolate. Uh, mm-hmm. People like that. And I think the other thing is you worked within budget. You made yep. a profit. Everyone had food. There was tons of food left over. Yep. So that's like good planning all around. Yeah. Um, for people who aren't familiar with it, the U.S. you know the U.S. Bartenders Guild puts on this big event once a year. Um, historically, it was just a winter mixer, and now they've added a summer mixer last That's year. Correct. And uh, the winter mixer is the big deal. Um, it gets bigger and bigger. They were expecting three hundred. I bet they were close to that. I mean, it was packed. Yeah, it's an open event. It's a recruit. It's a recruitment tool, right? So they like, got tons of signups. They got tons of signups. Yep. So most of the people are not familiar with the concept of the USBG. You do pay dues, and the dues are totally worth it. I mean, you get you know, 100, 125. Yeah, yeah, but you get back ten times over what you put in, and throughout the year, in in uh, in form of events and tastings and all kinds networking, of swag. networking, swag, swag. Oh, super especially cool stuff. The uh, bartenders' uh, New Year's. I mean, that's boom. Just, the amount of, uh, for those that don't know, the amount of events that you go to in the guild, uh, raises the stakes of where you land and the, uh, um, the pool, I guess, for, mm-hmm. uh, picking swag mm-hmm. and swag this year. There was with guitars. There was uh, cocktails. So I got the cooler. So I've been top 10 two years in a row and I got this pinnacle cooler. That's like an old school mid century modern cooler. It is badass. I, I, uh, uh got a little, uh, are we all members? And- all five of us are members. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yep. We are. Uh, other cool stuff. The drinks were phenomenal. The drinks were all paired, um, at least in the main room, it was based on decades. So there was 50s through modern, I think. Was there like a 2000s? Mm, I guess that was next the, door. So next, yeah. so the other room was like the premier sponsor and, uh, Cottrell was in there. Joe was in there. Uh, Brent and Scott, Scott. And they all put on a, a great show. They were with the music. Uh, Miller High Life had a ton of stuff there, but really the sponsors were a lot of Great Lakes brands but it was pretty varied um what i was super geeked about is at uh debbie's table who does fernet um infinium she had did you try the new espresso liqueur that she brought back into michigan i did not oh i forget the name of it now but it was in michigan it's now back it's from the fernet guys the actual guys that make fernet and it was a good flavor it wasn't super sweet there was some sugar on it but it was a good nice intense espresso flavor the drink that was made at that station was really phenomenal i yeah, thought it was. 
I did not try the liqueur, sadly. I'll be on the lookout for it tomorrow. Did the daiquiri, though, with mm. the... Um, I had the daiquiri. Right in the front yeah, yeah. with... Um, Lime and almond. Yeah. Oh, and no, the Jaegermeister. Jaeger. Jaeger. Jaeger Jaeger yeah, yeah, yeah. A Jaeger's so like old school, you know, college, but that daiquiri was really good. Yep. It was. So I was impressed with that. Yeah. You, they, they had that virtual uh, reality thing from Jack Daniels. So I didn't do it. You did it. I got some photos I, of you doing it. I did it. Uh, the negative to it was it was right by the band, which is a great band, of course, but uh, right by the band. So you couldn't listen to the tour that they're giving you of uh, Jack Daniels. But I mean, 365 degree. I mean, everything about it. I just first time I ever did the virtual reality. Uh, so it was Oculus Rift. So they yeah. spared no expense. Not really. I mean, but it was so that was cool. Um, and that was right next to Brent, who was doing this uh, sustainable apple cocktail where he was hauling out apples and putting a drink in it. And then uh, two down, uh, Scott had uh, oranges. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Meyer lemons. Uh, were, were they lemons? Yeah. I thought they were uh, um, mandarin oranges. Uh, or, orange lemon hybrid. It was dark. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, was dark. super dark in that room. So I did a live feed around there. And poor Cottrell, who has dark complexion, was just nothing in that black room. I feel really bad. <laughs> so... So what was like some of your favorites uh, throughout the night? Uh, props to Moe. Moe, Moe Chandon, is that how you pronounce that? Fanciest. So. Um, so putting that kind of money behind us, I thought was pretty cool because they had giant magnums of uh, the Imperial. And so that was that was nice to see kind of a big, big brand put that kind of big, high profile brand uh, at the event. Um, I always forget about them because in their and the whole name is Louis Vuitton Moe Hennessy, the the company that they are, and they're the here. biggest, they're the they're biggest large. champagne producer, so, right? But everything that comes before Hennessy, I kind of just <laughs> it just kind of falls off. So Moe Moet, I don't know the handbags, matter. the handbags. It's you know it's a lifestyle. <laughs> the table that had the elite vodka, I think it was. Mm. They uh, were juicing um, jalapenos, and that was the greenest, most intense <laughs> juice. She said she had to wear a mask while she did it because it was so crazy. That was Anna. Yeah, that that was that was spicy. Yeah, that was that was a fiery drink. It was very good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Also, Sarah Welch, uh, charcuterie. Mm. Oh, that charcuterie. got annihilated. Yeah. Um. That was gone within the first ninety minutes. That mortadella. Um, amazing. Yeah. It, it was. It was a great, great charcuterie spread. Um. Sarah, of course, is uh, with the Republic and Parks and Rec, and does a great job there. Uh, Giancarlo had a super nerdy drink with like uh, citric acid and um, imagine that oh, yeah, a couple other water. yeah a couple other fun things yeah, and that he was, did that it was good. like in an aquarium with like suspended fish and so you he'd tap off that. Uh, Nate uh, was at the eighties table and he had another geeky drink with like a sous vide fruit or something. I should have taken notes. That would have been a lot better. But should have taken notes, right? You were filming though. I said you were filming live too. I did, yeah. yeah. So there's my, you can see my bad video where I, I mispronounced like six brands. So Chaz was there to like comment on every single brand I mispronounced, which was nice. Did you carry a microphone around with you everywhere? Well, so I put that kit together and that was the first time I used a wireless microphone with my phone and it worked out super, super well. I needed like one more hand, but it was, it was fun. Had a little like a uh, FBI earpiece going behind my ear. So that was cool too. It's technology. It's taking over. Right. Oculus Rift live live streaming. What I was mean, the, there was a were they playing Mario Go Kart over? Oh yeah, N sixty four Mario Kart, which is so funny because earlier in the week they said anyone have a sixty four, and I'm like, well, I thought N sixty four, but sixty four car Impala. Someone said Commodore, and uh, it was, and he never confirmed because I have a sixty four with like thirty seven games. I would have had Goldeneye on there in a heartbeat, but I didn't know what he <laughs> oh, was doing. Anywho, uh, afterwards. Uh, I abandoned you. Like you, you did really but, quick. Uh, went over to Honest John's, and I have to say, uh, had some nachos, and 
um, maybe because I had a few cocktails in me, maybe not. Um, they were fantastic. Um, some of the best I've had in a, in a, in a while. Just you know, simple nachos like cheese sauce, beef. You know, honest John's no frills. Was yeah, it sauce? Up there. Is it cheese sauce or is it melted cheese? No, no, it's cheese sauce. Cheese it was definitely sauce. a nacho it's cheese. Not, sauce. It's not it's just it was, a pile of, no. of chips and then handful of of uh, cheese and you throw it in the microwave and then on the outside it's burnt and then underneath there there's no cheese on any of the nachos. I, I mean, you're, you're explaining something that we've all done and that <laughs> at, 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 in at the home, right at, at the right moment, it's not a bad thing. Right. I mean, you know, if you want nachos, you want, you're going to microwave some nachos if you want them in a minute or two. Right. Well, well interesting segue. So tonight, starting now, eight o'clock, eight o'clock. Maybe so a February bit. 7th. February 7th. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is the premiere of Detroiters. Oh, yes. Yeah. And there are 20 plus bars around Detroit. Honest Johns is one of them. Honest I'd Johns love to hear one of them. what went into that because basically what Comedy Central is doing is buying the first round of beers. For everyone who goes there, you know, limited quantities, well supplies last. Interestingly, not as much as you think. We so actually did buy they contract- reach out to you? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, but uh, contractually, we were not allowed to promote that at all. So wow. Interesting. So the first person that broke it was Free Press. And then I actually shared it. And I feel like once I shared it, everyone shared it. Of course. Because <laughs> so, like Eater had a story. The effect. And then uh, Metro Times had a story. And then Comedy Central came out with the cool video. I don't know if you saw the video that they launched today. No, I didn't see it. So it's like the two of them, Tim and work? I can't think of the guy's name from Veep. Uh, he, you know, they're the talent. And they're like on a green screen. And there's like a little Mr. Allen's dude that like pops in like free beer. And they like look around like, where's he going to pop up? I can't tell because I can't actually see the graphics. But it's pretty cool because he's like, yeah, we'll buy you a beer. Come check out our preview. And it's obviously something they did specifically for Detroit. So, so did that it was say nice. which places it was or like you had to guess? And on like- that web page, there was. So if you click through on the Facebook, you could see all the different places. And they're all in Detroit. So, you know, Detroit love. So there's that. Exciting. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's, uh, it's already couple- online. So I like I watched it with my wife and it's very funny. They did a very good job. It is quirky. But being an advertising guy. I loved it. It's like Goofy Batman. Ah, great. So this is just the pilot, though, or is, it, or is the season picked up? I'm guessing at least one season, so that's what, like 10 to 13 episodes? Maybe six, if they're super conservative. But it has some big names behind it. Jason yeah. Sudeikis, who is funny. Jason is actually representing Chrysler. So, And Chrysler is one of the brands I call on. So that's also kind of a funny little crossover mm-hmm. as well. Plug away. So that's not really a blog. <laughs> I mean, we can uh, kind of talk about the first episode. Then is it like, is there a lot of Detroit in there? Yeah. Like, is it like, yeah. a, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of Detroit. Um, they film a decent amount of it at anchor bar. So you see them, if you know, anchor bar, you kind of see the windows in the background. Uh, they go to the economics club, I want to say. Okay. And they, um, Oh, where do they go to cliff bells as well? I think they went to cliff bells and like added a bunch of tables and things. And not remembering 100%. Again, should take notes. But um, yeah, it's all in Detroit. You see people mover. You see them driving. There's like two houses that they like faux live in. Uh, it is not done on a set. It is not like they, all the, you know, exteriors of Detroit and the interiors are like Hollywood. It is Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And they're both Detroit guys. And, you know, Jason Sudeikis, I feel like, was really behind it. Um, there's another producer, too, that I want to say is local. Um. Again, should have taken notes. Should have, you could have also read too. 
I don't have to be the I'm only waiting one to prepared. see it. I didn't watch well, it online ahead of time. I'm, I got it. Be prepared for the I'm show. That's wa- all I ask. I'm okay? going to watch it tonight as it uh, <laughs> appears live for the rest of the world. Not watching it ahead of time, bootlegged. No, we'll no, be no, watching you with a free beer at Honest John's. There you go. Not... Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else? No, I think that's it. And we'll be back with Chef Ryan. Be our next You're so confused. It's like she's not going to call in or something. She has like a better show to go to or something. No, she doesn't. <laughs> she, she'll be with us. <laughs> Stay tuned, we'll everyone. Right, we'll be back with Chef Ryan. <laughs> All right. So, in honor of Chef Ryan, we have in who the definitely sp- is coming. We promise. She, she is. She, she's a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but we'll, we'll call her in, in, in a bit. Her. But um, she uh, she is from Traverse City. So, in the studio with us right now, we have a bottle of. Traverse City Whiskey Company's bourbon whiskey infused with Traverse City cherries and natural flavor. Um, it is. Wait, I'm just curious. It does say infused with natural flavor. Yeah, okay. it says that natural flavor. Yeah, cherries and natural flavor. And natural not flavor. infused with natural flavor. Um, this is my first time having this. Is it everybody else's first time? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. Heard, heard. So, uh, this is the American Cherry Edition. Um, with uh, local cherries, obviously, cher- tra- uh, Traverse City is the cherry capital of the world, I believe. Um, Didn't you send like cherry blossoms or cherry trees over to uh, Japan or Washington D.C. or? I have no idea. Would have that stat handy? Nope. All right. Good segue, Nick. <laughs> so uh, this is what do you guys think about this? What, the concept, or are we actually drinking it? Are we drinking? Yeah, we're drinking. So, as a, so as yeah. So, so let, let's. It does have a good cherry flavor. There is a little bit of a like, um, not metallic, but almost like industrial note with the smell. So, what does that mean? What is it? What do you? What do you? Uh, almost like a. When they say natural flavors, I'm just wondering what else those natural flavors are. Gotcha. Um, so is this something? Uh, it seems to me that this it's kind of sweet, uh, something you would drink straight, something you would mix into a cocktail. I, so, I, I mean, what, what would you? Not I, wouldn't miss, I, I wouldn't mix this at all. I mean, I this is, it. it has a, a very uh, kind of syrupy kind of feel to it. Um, yeah, you could you could mix it in a cocktail. Uh, it could almost take like the sugar component of a cocktail because of that syrupy sweetness. Right. It's like a vermouth. Yeah. Or like... Um, it actually reminds me if you just take the Luxardo Maraschino cherry jar and like mm-hmm. take the syrup out of there. We've used that occasionally to uh, mm. just use as a sugar component in the cocktail instead. So I wonder if you almost you could do a variation of the last word on this with some gin and some lime juice in this, and I wonder what that would taste like. Yeah, or you could do an old fashioned and leave out the sugar components to it and just yeah. add some bitter to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the that's the that's what I would see this role the role of this product in the cocktails. Um, it's not, I wouldn't call this a liqueur liqueur. No, it's it is not, not like blastingly sweet. I just had to double check the uh, regulations because I know that uh, for bourbon, and we may or may not have discussed this on one of the previous ones, but, you know, straight bourbon uh, cannot have any additional flavors or colorings added to it. So I was a little confused because the label says bourbon whiskey infused with uh, this flavor. So, uh, but it does appear that because it's not uh, labeled a straight bourbon that uh, American whiskey, uh, as Chuck Cowdery reports here on his uh, fantastic blog, that uh, uh, it can. So, and it uh, can be would, under 40? Uh, yes. Okay. It, yes, it can. 
Yes, so, you can. So on their site, on Traverse City Whiskey's site, they have three recipes that they uh, promote. One is the new fashion, two ounces of this, splash of seltzer, two dashes of bitters, slice of lemon, or two orange wedges and cu- ice cubes. Are they muddling the fruit? It doesn't say. Oh. Uh, then they have the whiskey smash, two ounces of this, two to three mint leaves, one ounce of water, one slice of lemon, half an ounce of simple. And then on the rocks, this ice cubes and a splash. Of there it is. So it's interesting. They're diluting both of them. Are they, what was the middle preparation? Were they stirring or are they building it in the glass? It does not give instructions. It gives ingredients. Huh. All right. Because the, the splash of water is interesting, especially with the 35%. Uh, I don't know. Maybe just to have some effervescence. Yeah, well, I can the see top that. one. I can yeah. see that a little, you know, a little Topo Chico soda water, uh, mix up, give it a little, get a little effervescence. Thank you for elevating that. Nice. Yeah. Boom. Heard. <laughs> so, uh, flavored, wi- flavored whiskey, flavored vodka. There's this whole world Whoa, of. careful. Yeah. Well, I know. Two big, I, hey, two hey. big things. They're both not great. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, so there's a whole world of like these flavors of, and they're, for my experience, not great, right? Like, you it's just interesting. Said, like, not, so, first of all, like, w- w- so they exist for what purpose? Like, for well, I, I mean, the, in your mind. So, uh, there's a couple things to say about. It. One is that they exist for obviously a commercialized purpose because people love to be able to go out and like they have this whole library full of uh, flavors that they can choose from. Like, you look at with vodkas. no work. So you don't have to go and like infuse your own blueberry vodka. It's done. No, I'm it's talking there. about the consumer. I'm not talking about the, oh, yeah, the yeah. bar. You know, they right. look at this and they say, oh, I, I can get bubblegum flavored this and whatever, right? And there's no work. That's what I'm saying. So as opposed to saying, oh, go infuse, infuse this blueberry thing, wait two days, then you can drink it. You're, yeah, you can right. go to the store and buy it right, right, right away. Right. So and then there's – so for people like me, and when I say people like me, I have uh, uh, had bariatric surgery a couple of years ago. I don't do anything with bubbles, no carbonation, anything like that. So I am very limited. Because you can't. Uh, I'm not supposed to. Okay, so you can't it. for the first year for sure. Okay. I'm not supposed to afterwards. The bubbles uh, expand stomach. Blah, got blah, it. Blah. Okay. So I am limited. I don't drink any beer. I don't drink any soda water, tonic water, so no uh, sodas at all, pops, whatever. So uh, I can't go to the bar and have rum and Coke because I don't drink any Coke. So I'm limited. So uh, if I go to a crafty bar, it's great because- you know, I have great proportions that are well balanced and they're mixed with like fresh ingredients and that works out. But if I go to, you know, a, a bar who's just slinging drinks, you know, I'm stuck getting a madras or, uh, I'm stuck getting a cranberry vodka because, or something on the rocks. So for me, a flavored or infused kind of liquor is a little bit more palatable at the end because mm. I can just sit there with a glass of whatever liquor straight and then coast my night out. I don't have to have a lot of juice. I don't have to have a lot of sugars and things like that. So something like this is very appropriate. Something like this, something like honey whiskey, some of those things, uh, some of the flavored vodkas, throw it on ice is, is very palatable, you know, that you can either sip on or, you know, have a couple and you're not going to uh, involve all these other uh, mixers that you probably just don't need anyway. So, so how does this stack up then against like other flavored liquors of the, of the like? Um, the one that comes to mind, uh, thinking about this earlier, is that isn't, doesn't Kid Rock have one? Red Stag is really? that that's something? where we're going? We're gonna go to Kid Rock. That's like a Jim Beam thing. Doesn't have cherries in it too? Like I, I, I think that's exactly. I've never had it. Yeah. Um. See, and I, I struggle with these, so I am very much on the fence of some of these flavored products because I feel like as a, a I'm not quite to the bartender level, but I'm elevated, you know, 
consumer enthusiast. Well, Nick, Nick drinks. Nick drinks, right. And so I feel like if, you know, a lot of the products out there tend to have artificial flavors and things like that. So if I wanted to make a said blueberry vodka, I would do it myself. At, so, home, at home. At home, right. Yeah, yeah. At home, you could do a lot more stuff. Sure. Um, so where something like this, um, I'm glad it's not as sweet as I thought it was. Um, but something like a fireball or something like that, I would much rather see a more artisan approach that was maybe a spicy take on a whiskey as opposed to something that did really rely on sugar to make it palatable. To me, this is, this is very much like a, uh, a honey jack. Okay. It has that same kind of syrupiness to it. So I would dilute it a little bit with ice to chill it up. And then to me, that's just, this is going to be too sweet just by itself like this. I mean, so I want to just extend it out a little bit, but I could. I mean, something like this, low proof as it is, you can just drink it uh, pretty, pretty smoothly. So, all right, pro bar. What's the pro bar? Do yeah. you think about this? Well, uh, you know, the consumer is actually, you know, the consumer uh, overall has already spoken because these products are extremely popular. I mean, Sazerac Company, uh, which we know and uh, love for their uh, fantastic uh, Buffalo Trace Distillery and all of the uh, bourbon and rye that comes out of there. Um, actually makes a shit ton of money off of Fireball. So they're selling, you know, flavored cinnamon whiskey, 66 proof, which I actually had to Whoa, double check. That's 66 proof? Yeah, I had to check I myself. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things that when I first looked at that label, uh, not having a lot of familiarity with the flavored uh, whiskeys because at the Sugar House we never had them. When I saw 70 proof, that was the first tip off to me that – it's not um it's not an actual straight bourbon because uh straight bourbon by law has to be at least eighty proof. So when I actually started digging into it a little bit, I was also surprised because I always think fireball is something that college kids, you know, rip to get wasted and it's like there's a lot better ways than drinking sixty six proof, you know, a spirits to get where you're going. But hey, whatever. And I mean they're selling 1949. a lot of forty nine. Yeah. I'm that's that so they're seems making like a, a deal. Nineteen forty nine for what? A uh, for a fifth, fifth to get sixty six proof. Well, I mean, you could buy old charter. All right, okay. you know, cheaper than that. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, What's old charter? Old grant. Old charter is uh, Sazerac as a corn whiskey. It's like maybe seventeen bucks, sixteen, seventeen bucks for higher proof. So I actually think that's kind of expensive. Twenty bucks for sixty six proof. All right. Okay. So Sazerac's making a lot of money on that. Is the bottom line, and consumers are, you know, all of these companies. Even we talked about Wild Turkey. Uh, previously and uh, as old school as uh, Jimmy and Eddie Ru- Jimmy Russell is, you know, his son took over and just recognized that the business is there for, you know, the honey, uh, the the flavored whiskey. So, you know, in the bars, like like uh, in the bars that we have in the city, we would certainly uh, just make the flavors ourselves. That would be considered a challenge, one that we're up to. If we want to introduce flavors into a cocktail, um, we would do so. If we want to drink our whiskey neat we would be uh doing that to pick out the nuanced flavors of the whiskey itself which is you know the grain the yeast the barrel those effects so um it's not a product that you would see now honest john's something like this would probably go over you know really well because you know i mean drinking it it, it it's not it doesn't come off as cheap or mm-hmm. you know it seems like a well-made product it's just not something that i would personally seek and, out and there's there's obviously the the uh issue of location too so this is something that they're probably responding to a demand right mm-hmm. so you can't be in traverse city and, and not well, have michigan for that matter yeah yeah and not have a cherry flavored yeah. some you know something so let's compare it to the other cherry products that are on you have sakura out of uh, the jolly pumpkin guys and there's another cherry one that i'm trying to think of 
I'm sure I don't think they're liqueurs though. Sakura is a vodka, isn't it? If I'm not mistaken, cherry blossom vodka. It's very floral. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, totally. I mean, Michigan makes the cherries, and yeah, it totally makes sense. On top of that, I think the question is uh, how well does this uh, do outside of Michigan? I mean, are we are people here buying it because it's Michigan-based products, or are they buying it because it is? I mean, it's got you know good distribution outside of here that people are buying it. For yeah, Michigan. I don't know enough about yeah. Trevor. My guess would be no. Yeah, My I guess don't would think be they... no. I think that I mean, uh, and also I don't know off the top of my head what the price of this product is, but I mean, part of the appeal is thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. Yeah. It's not. I mean, so you know, fifty percent more than Fireball at just a marginally higher proof, but. Um, I mean, part of the appeal of the craft movement is this idea of localization, right, versus Uh globalization. Everybody is sort of questioning uh, how fast the world has, you know, expanded and starting to look for opportunities to support people and what they're doing locally. So I think that, you know, for me, it's something that if I was to go to Traverse City, spend some time there, I would definitely visit them. They they have other whiskey products as well. Mm -hmm. And it's something where I would be like, oh, cool, like. You know, uh, I would imagine that you get to kind of meet the people and it w- I would totally fall into that. Like, cool, I'd love to support these people and what they're doing, you know. So the reason why I like Traverse City is or Traverse City Whiskey, I should say, is if you want to do a cocktail and I've definitely batched cocktails that they want Michigan products, their Michigan whiskey, I believe, is the cheapest of all of them. So that clocks in at about 35 bucks. And so that way I can make a product with all Michigan products, still have a whiskey, not break the budget, you know, relatively. And still use something that's tasty. Yeah, that's a great, uh, great bit. Because I just did it. I just did it for Auto Show with with the Traverse City whiskey. With the Traverse City whiskey, nice. six bottles. <laughs> and it tastes good. Taste. Yeah, it tastes yeah. good. I mean, when you're when you're mixing with some of the things, it's you know, it still comes through. What, you, what did you mix it with? Uh, it was with apple bitters and a little bit of sugar. So it's like um, an apple play on an old fashioned. Mm. I mean, I you know at, at Meyer today where I, where I picked this up, uh, there was probably. Uh, six, ten shelves of Michigan, yeah, Michigan products, Michigan, uh, uh, booze. Like there, it was, you know, not, I'm not just talking about, you know, like it was two facings of this, two facings of that, you know, the all the civilized stuff, all the, um, all the journeyman, journeyman Michigan. Yep. yep. On the other side, what we actually, I was talking to the guys at Grace Guys who were at last night's event and they were just like, we need one of these for just Michigan products because there are, there's over 20 distilleries. There's technically 36, but some of them are duplicates. And I think we could easily do a whole tasting of all Michigan products. Um, there's some kooky stuff that doesn't make it to store shelves. Like I just picked up a bottle uh, from Round Barn of an aged cognac or a brandy that they're doing. So there's some cool stuff that's happening out there. And I don't think a lot of it kind of gets out. I know Grace Guys is trying to aggressively get into Detroit more. And I did a tasting a couple months ago, and their products are really, really fun. I just looked it up uh, on their site again. It says um, you can get their product in uh, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Tennessee, Florida, and California. That's not bad. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Traverse City. Traverse City. That's great. And then, of course, you can get it online at Binnies.com. Binnies. It was just at Binnies this weekend. Love me some Binnies. Pretty good distribution for uh, Michigan. I mean, you know, you look at beer distribution for Michigan, and it's. Uh, it's Two Hearted was just ranked number one IPA in the. Or maybe double IPA. Well, Bell, Bell's has always had great distribution outside of here. Uh, amazing. Like I was in Florida. Shorts has no distribution out of here, but they just started shorts. Uh, you know, but a lot of other places. I mean, I, I imagine Atwater be moving up there, especially with the connections with the, with the Comerica, the Tigers, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Atwater has two or two other breweries. They have one in 
North or South Carolina, one in Texas, I believe. Rumor has it that two James took some shorts, soft parade, and distilled it. <laughs> that sounds awesome. So it, what would that I be? A brandy? That pretty great. Yes, I think technically wow, it would be a nice. brandy. Nice. That's awesome. Noise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I might have to uh, drink some bubbles. To have some <laughs> well, and what's funny is there. soft parade already is aggressive. It <laughs> yeah. clocks in at what, like eight or nine? Nine, nine. yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, if you like Kool Aid, tastes like it tastes like Kool Aid. It goes down like this. It's, just, it's it's awesome. The smell on the spirit was phenomenal. I was uh, like, wow, that's crazy. Nice, so, it's good stuff. Hopefully, they'll find a way to get some out there a little bit. No, I mean the distribution outside of uh, uh, Michigan is is competitive, but it's got to grow. And I think you know we see a lot of stuff from outside, but maybe that's just the stores that we go to. I don't know. Uh, I think we. The, at least the four of us, we go to, you know, pretty unique stores and whatnot, mm-hmm. but, um, just distribution problems, uh, I probably plague every state the way they plague us. And once we, every start, control state. Yeah. But once we start getting that distribution better, mm-hmm. people start experiencing, you know, the beer and the, and, and the booze that we have here. And it's, I think we have good stuff here. I really do. Absolutely. And interestingly, I mean, the, the price, one of the, uh, one of the advantages or I should say disadvantages that the craft places have had traditionally is, you know, the scale that they're operating in. And, you know, in the whiskey market, it's hard for somebody like Two James to uh, come out with a product and compete with companies like Sazerac, Heaven Hill, mm-hmm. while Turkey, the scale and the expertise that they've been doing these things for so long. Um, so you're definitely paying a premium for that localization. If you're going to go to Two James, you're going to buy their products. But, you know, the bourbon boom has taken its toll on aged stocks of yeah. whiskey and um, even places, you know, uh, in Indiana, they have a, a whiskey factory, uh, Midwest Green Products, MGP, which a lot of brands uh, source whiskey from. And, uh, you know, they're feeling the pinch, too. I know Smooth Ambler is a, a company, a brand that I'm super into, and they've essentially, they had already discontinued their uh, standard seven-year rye a couple years ago. They're discontinuing their base products. They they did just get a large investment from Pernod, but um, they had a very successful uh, barrel selection program based on them buying whiskey that they uh, discontinued as well. And I know that um, even base products like Elijah Craig uh, has removed the age statement, raised the price. Yeah. Even a lot of the standard whiskeys from the established whiskey houses are getting more expensive. And so that gap, that price uh, differential – um, as the craft places mature and they can start to uh, recoup some of their initial things, um, it becomes less of a premium. So it'll be interesting to see how they can then compete at that point. Is that just a U.S. thing? I know U.S. loves their bourbon, but is that also like a China overseas thing as well? Well, the demand for bourbon overseas is pretty high. So, okay, I mean, that's definitely a large component of it. You know, Four Roses until has only been had only reintroduced their single barrel back into the American market in the last 12 or 13 years that have been sort of an export only uh, market. So, I mean, wild Turkey does a lot um, in Asia and Japan as well. So um, that's not going to, I don't think that's going to slow down. There's a phenomenal book I'm read listening to on audible that is called um, Vino business. And it's all about the Bordeaux trade and how much China is just like totally taking it over. So these Chinese investors are coming in, they're buying uh, plots of land, they're investing, and they they don't even care what they're drinking. They just want to drink Bordeaux because it's tr- hip and trendy and fashionable. 
So I'm just I'm wondering if that also affected the bourbon as well. Well, yeah. I mean, well, let's, I mean, I mean, uh, Suntory bought Jim Beam yeah, a few years right. ago. So I mean, like they they obviously view it as uh, number one. I mean, the market is a potential for growth in the market, and obviously to uh, serve their own market. Um, so I mean, if you know, Suntory is a company that's been around for less than a hundred years. I mean, they have the Yamazaki Distillery was the first distillery built in Japan, and so. I mean, in less than a hundred years, they've never made they had never made whiskey before, uh, and they've grown to uh, to be like the number three after <laughs> they purchased Jim Beam. I mean, they're a huge global force in spirits. So, so that's an interesting segue. There is a rumor that there's a shortage of Japanese whiskey. I would that? believe that's true. And is it because of the popularity or something else? Well, I think that you know uh, Nika had already discontinued some of their uh, single malts, the Yoishi and Miyagiko. Um, God, your pronunciation is not bad. I I hope. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing. <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good as long as there's nobody else in the room that can call me on it. That's for sure. Um, no, it, you know, the thing about uh, whiskey is that, um, you know, some of their expressions are if it's 12, 15 years old, 18 years old, you know, it's hard to forecast demand that far out in yeah. the future. So you've got to put it's not like making tennis shoes. If the demand suddenly increases, you can't add a third production line right. or you know, expand your uh, uh, production capacity. You just call up Cleveland whiskey. Yeah, That's you just you call up Cleveland whiskey, and they yeah. zap some ultrasound. And they're like, "Here you go." Three days later, <laughs> some amazing whiskey. But no, actually, I mean, we're doing a we're doing a, a, a tasting, a sugar house uh, drinking team Japanese whiskey tasting for the Suntory brands in a couple of weeks. That's one of the cool things that I get to do, and um, it really amazed me when I was sort of studying like the Japanese approach to that. I mean. Um, their culture had been sort of uh, uh, isolated from the world until uh, really like just after the World Civil, War. Yeah, like uh, Civil War. Civil War. Yeah. Okay. One of the admirals, uh, his name escapes me now, but uh, it's a popular one. Uh, so like basically, yeah, they just showed up on the coast of Japan one day and was like, hey, by the way, you're about to be open for trade. And uh, oh. that was the first time that they'd actually ever seen a distilled spirit made from grain. Uh, was late 1800s or, you know, let's really? call it 1860s. Yeah. No, like no sochu, no like by, by no. chance. Well, I guess I should say if rice is considered a grain. Then, okay, got it. But not a not a wheat, corn. Okay. Uh, so, yes, I misspoke in that regard. Um, but that was the first time they'd ever seen uh, mm. a grain spirit from that. And the so, Japanese like rock on cocktails. And there it's so it's all about like form and presentation. Watching uh, Julia out of uh, Green River. I think she might have just moved, but out of Green River in Chicago, she did a whole thing on highballs and the whole process that goes into that, the placement of the ice, the way you pour the um, the soda. And it's like three ingredients. It's like ice, uh, club soda, and whiskey. And the whole thing is about how you do it and how you lay it out. It's really interesting. Wow, I need awesome. to go there. I need to check that place out. It's pretty Perry, cool. Admiral Perry. That was the name I had to look it up real quick. Admiral Perry. Admiral Perry. Admiral Perry. He opened a drugstore uh, a couple years later. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> He retired. <laughs> so it's kind of an old joke. I'm a little older than all of you, so <laughs> you might have actually shopped at Perry. Yeah, next to IGA, I probably just bought baseball cards there. <laughs> next to IGA is an Arbor Drugs. <laughs> Bubblegum was five cents. And Great Scott. A and P. Yeah, I remember A and P. All right, so we will be back in a moment with Chef Ryan. Sure, for sure, sure we will, for sure. All right, we are back. Uh, on the line with us is the season 16 winner of Hell's Kitchen, 
Chef Ryan. Woo. Hello. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So, uh, we have we actually have a bottle of a uh, of Mobby uh, Blanc de Blanc. Blanc de Blanc. We're gonna uh, Ow. pop the cork. There it is. And uh, a celebration, a little celebration over here for you. Um, Where's my? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, h- how has life changed since you've won? Well, you know, it's only been a couple of days here, but um, it's uh, it's getting pretty crazy already. Uh, the Yardbird owners called me the day after the finale and asked, you know, can you start next week? And I'm just like, oh, okay, let's <laughs> get this going. So you're 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 starting like soon then. You're, are you no, starting? I mean, they want me to if they if they you know were able to get their way, I'd be out there already. But um, I'm hoping for uh, next month sometime. Okay, so you're uh, mo- moving to Vegas. That that's that's a big big deal. Um, and yes. uh you're gonna miss all this Michigan winter. Yeah, you know, I'm not too sad about that. I'm a little <laughs> bit worried about uh the Vegas summers because uh I already work in a kitchen and I don't know if you've watched the show, but my face I sweat my face off, so it'll be interesting to see how, how hot it gets in there. I think they have SPF seventy five when you walk outside the restaurant. So Yep. <laughs> what what'll be great is when you get the tourists coming in and they're like, "Oh my god, I want to get a photo with you." And you're going to be like, oh. "It's so hot." <laughs> they they apparently already been asking them um at Yardbird in Vegas. They've been getting flooded with people asking where I am. So, so I better prepare myself to be more of a people person than I am. I've heard they got great pool parties in Las Vegas though, so I have heard may that. be able to hop in have from time to time. That, yeah. So, uh so th- this is this is a interesting point that you've made. These uh, all these people calling to meet you. Um, what what is it like to suddenly be to go from living up in Traverse City to to being a, a, essentially a national celebrity? Uh, it's really pretty crazy. I'm I'm an introvert. I'm a homebody. I mean, I'm in the kitchen for a reason. I like I like being you know behind the scenes, and I don't really know how to act around regular people. So even just going to Meyer now in my hometown, I'm like, oh, God, like people are asking to take pictures. I'm so I'm appreciative of it all. I'm thankful and you know, I'm, I'm happy to do it and happy that people are supporting me. But it's very, very, very overwhelming. Well, and think about that. So when you wake up in the morning, you're like, do I have to like do my hair and makeup just to go to Meyer? Yeah. yeah. C- and carry I a Sharpie with so you and a selfie stick. That are surface will be pretty interesting to see. So, all right. So I am not, I, I don't watch Hell's Kitchen a lot. Um, I'm contractually obligated actually not to watch Hell's Kitchen. It's kind of an inside <laughs> joke. Um, but tell, tell us about your experience. Like, was there like a cool, fun thing that maybe didn't get shared or maybe your best experience on the show? I mean, I've just, I had, I didn't watch the show at all before going out. Like I watched the first season or two and then I, I, I didn't, I don't really watch a lot of reality shows, especially cooking shows. So. I think that was kind of an advantage for me to not know at all what was going on because a lot of the other contestants were, you know, diehard fans that were like, this is going to happen and then this is going to happen. And I was like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. <laughs> I think that helped me because, you know, a lot of it, they weren't, they weren't right. But um, they cut out a part of the, the finale. We got to ride the Goodyear blimp, which I thought was wow. like a once in a lifetime opportunity there. <laughs> I don't know why they wouldn't have put that in there. It was, I mean, that, I mean, it's a big deal. So was it was it just you in the blimp, or were you with multiple people? Uh, just Heather and I, the other finalists, okay. and um, just uh, the 
whatever you call them, um, pilots, and then a couple um, uh, camera guys. So we had the Hendrix blimp here um, two years ago. And uh, we were, it was supposed to be rides with um, two people and the pilot. But when we went out there, it was too cold. So there could only be one person. So it was me, the pilot, riding over Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I have to say, riding in a blimp is pretty cool because it's like slow it and relaxed. Well, yeah. the day, like, literally the day before was when I got my helicopter ride. And I, I didn't like that at all. It was cool to see, <laughs> but I got really bad motion sickness. And then the next day, they're like, you can ride in the Goodyear blimp. And I was like, can I just stay on the fucking ground, please? Like, can I just be on the ground? But the Goodyear blimp was more like, like almost like a boat up in the up in the sky. Like it didn't bother me as much as the helicopter. It was really pretty cool. The other thing crazy about blimps is there's like twelve blimp pilots in the world. And when I was talking to the guy, he's like, "Yeah, there's more astronauts than there are blimp pilots. Like we are a very <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Seeing how many people it took to even you know get the thing to take off and and land it, it was it was crazy. And, I mean, they had to pack like four days into this one 44 minute long episode. So, but I, I feel like that was a weird thing to cut out, but I'm not, I'm not a TV producer. So I don't know. Sorry. We don't have to change this into the blimp podcast. We can talk about yeah, something I was going to say, what's the success rate? Do you think of that line <laughs> at the bar? Is, uh, was he just pitching that to you or? Uh, so in terms of like, uh, the, the editing and like w- watching the shows, like how, how much, uh, drama was there that uh mm. that is edited in rather than uh you know w- was there a lot of animosity yeah. w- was uh was Polly as much of a jerk as they made him out to be on tv well, obviously there's a lot of editing going into it um the parts where you see me get angry and fight with Polly, that's pretty much the only time i ever lost my shit or got angry at all and like back in the confessionals, the the production assistants were like, "Yeah, yeah, this is like what we were looking for." I was like, "I'm not an actress. Like, I'm actually genuinely pissed off right now. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit in here and and act. I'm here to cook." So, um, most of it was most of it was real. I tried to stay out of it for you know pretty much the duration of the show, and a lot of people didn't. I think people like Matt and people like Johnny, they were kind of there to be more so of a TV personality or reality TV star than, um, you know, applying for this, this career changing job. Yeah. And and interestingly, like throughout the season, you, you never, were you ever up for elimination? You never were. No. No. Um, when it came down to when it was just Polly, Devin and I, we kind of had to speak our case of why we wanted to stay, but we had nominated Devin. So I think it might be a health system first too, that both Heather and I, we're never up for elimination ever. It goes something to be said about like not kind of being an asshole and just like yep. keeping your head down and working. For sure. And that's kind of how I always am. And a lot of most of the places I've ever worked are like, you know, we, even when you're upset or even when things are going wrong, like you just put your head down and you get the job done and keep it out of the kitchen. That's, yep. Well, that, that's a good question. We were talking about this ahead of time about um, the brigade system and, and, uh, certainly Hell's Kitchen plays on this uh, idea of in the brigade system yelling at folks and uh, uh, you know, leading with fear and authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucky Peach did a story recently about uh, two sides, you know, dark side and light side. And I was curious what your thought was going through the process and actually being in an industry about, uh, you know, whether or not chefs, executive chefs leading with fear in a kitchen is something that, uh, you know, people listening, uh, newcomers should uh, – you know, think about doing in the future? Yeah. Um, 
for me personally, I mean, even going through, I went to culinary school pregnant with my daughter, Sophie, and I, um, like my first instructor was like, waddle your ass over here. I didn't get you pregnant. Hurry the fuck up. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I I started pretty quickly, like learning that that is, you know, but unfortunately, I don't know, maybe I have some deep rooted issues I should get some therapy about, but that is the kind of, um, criticism and, and leadership that I work the best under. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to show you. Like, watch, I'm going to do the best thing ever, you know. But for me, personally, I don't like to yell. I don't like to put people down. I don't like to lead people with fear. I want to teach. I want to be respectful. I want them to listen to me and, and know that I'm the boss. But, you know, it's a fine line that you have to show. So I'm, I'm still figuring that out. But I, you know, Chef Ramsey... Um, never really called me any names or, or, you know, disrespected me because I just did my job. And if I messed up, I, you know, you'd say, yes, chef. And, you know, that's something you learn, you know, long, long time ago. And, you know, Polly always would want to talk back or one of the guys would want to talk back. And he's just shut up. You're just going to, it's going to get worse. Like, just stop. So not so much leading with fear, but just this is what we're going to do. That's it. So can I ask about the casting process? Was it more like, auditioning for like a, a typical show or did they reach out to you like how did that work uh, for a long time especially like right after i graduated culinary school people were like you should do a cooking show and i'm like have you met me i cannot even like talk to like a, a regular person in the grocery store but you know i worked at a bunch of places up here in traverse city and i kind of felt stuck and i had an event canceled and it was like rained out and this it, just came up on my Facebook newsfeed actually. Um, and it was like now, you know, casting for Health Kitchen. And I was like, you know what? I'd probably just waste my time here, like filling out a BuzzFeed interview of like what character on the office I am. So why not do something that could turn into <laughs> something else, you know? So I, I sat there and it was like an hour and a half of just questions. And I didn't have, like, people are like, well, duh. Like if they saw a video or a picture, of course they picked you. And that wasn't even on the original um, application. It was just, it was just questions. It was my resume. It was references. And I was like, well, you know, at least an hour and a half of my day is gone. And, and the very next day they called me and asked if I could come down to Detroit for a live, um, on camera interview. So if you could give some advice to people that are also auditioning for, uh, particular events or shows or whatever, what would you give to people maybe out there? Like when you went into your live interview, what did you do? Uh, that's a really actually funny story. Um, I wanted to turn around about 10 times. I had, uh, half a bottle, I didn't drive, half a bottle of champagne on the way down just to calm my nerves a little bit. And they were all super secretive about it. So I was like walking into this Marriott in downtown Detroit and they come up to room 324 and I went up there and it was a fucking broom closet. So I called this person because I actually like got put on like a two week probationary period at my job because I worked weddings and it was a Friday night. And I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, so I've gotten in trouble. Like, what kind of am I getting pumped right now? What kind of joke is this? Like, I think I'm going to get raped in a broom closet in Detroit. And they were like, Uh, we're in that, the business Marriott right next door. And I was like, Oh. Uh, you're probably the Millionaire Center. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I'll be right over there. So I went over there and I was like, all sweaty and weird. I was like, sorry about all of that. <laughs> but, um, I mean, and then there's people like Kimberly, the fake, the imposter came on the show. She's applied for the show <laughs> six years in a row and finally, um, made the cut, you know. So I think it's just, 
you know, just put your best self out there. Like trying, if you want the job and you want to be taken seriously, don't try to be a personality like, like Matt or Polly or anything like that. Like just, you know, make, make sure that your skills are up to par for something like this. It had to been difficult to keep everything confidential about, and I question that with any of the shows, you know, all the, all the cooking shows and the people that, you know, do well or get on it. I don't know. How, how did you do that? How did you keep everything, uh, close to the chest of what, what was going on, but, you know, until it was released uh, well, to the public? We all had to sign a $10 million confidentiality oh, agreement. So that's 10, $10 million. <laughs> so, whoa, 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 hold. Let's back up. So, are they paying you $10 million and withholding it, or would you have to pay them no, if they, you said something? Um, you, if you tell anybody and you spill the news, you they will sue you for $10 million. Wow. Gosh. I don't, I don't know anybody that has that much money. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, the hardest part for me was, I mean, they flew my four-year-old daughter out there, and she told everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I technically, like, I didn't say anything. It was my child. <laughs> uh, so I got to ask you about that too. When they, so that, um, after you'd had your makeover and you're going to the, uh, comedy thing, did you really, uh, they were all there. You had to have known that she was there, right? Like, how does that work? How did, um, yes. Like, I mean, like I said, I didn't watch the show. I wasn't like a big, you know, follower of the show. So I truly thought like this was just the best night of my life. I People, I get to go to a musical with Chef Ramsey. Oh, musical! No, I got a bottle of champagne and a limo with him. Like I truly had no clue. I think Heather did because she was a big fan of the show and watched it. So because she wasn't drinking champagne, it was really just me. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> so I really blew that last challenge there because I was like, what? <laughs> I have to cook. Well, no, you didn't blow it. I mean, the the chicken dish, even your ch- chicken dish was awesome. I mean, yeah, and, you know, end up. And to be honest, I, I I wound up with the team that I would have picked anyway, so it, it all worked out. All right. So when was that last show filmed? Um, it was December of 2014. <laughs> so yeah. So think about that. So actually, that's not that far away. For it's still, it's some still, production cycles are even longer. I know, but it's still you got to keep yeah. it, keep it close that for a couple months that right. know, or a month and a half that. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be tough to do. So, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And especially, you know, with my four year old, I guess, that she was just telling everybody, I was like, you know, she's at that age where she just makes up stories. And she's like, no, mommy, I, we were there, remember? And I was like, no. What are you talking about, child? <laughs> lying to people. <laughs> any any good uh, Gordon Ramsay stories? I mean, honestly, he, he was really just a wonderful human being. It kind of pisses me off. Like, I troll myself online sometimes. and People are like, oh, of course he picked her. Like, he's got the hot for her. And it wasn't like that at all. And his wife is the hottest person I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, he, he doesn't have to be searching for anything. He's got a beautiful family. And, you know, he was just, he smells really, really good. <laughs> I'm not into cologne or anything like that, especially in the kitchen. But he would walk by and I'd be like, what? I was like, lemons and butter. And Truffle butter. <laughs> and, uh... Rich person. <laughs> Did you get to intermix with any of the Master Chef Juniors? No, no, no. that would have been really. I nice. can't wait to watch that though. That's I love that. Yeah, ones. they're so cute. Yeah, they're right next door. <laughs> so as soon as he done filming there, he walked next door. No, I wish that he would scream at them like he did. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be horrible. <laughs> For the first couple episodes, I was worried about letting my daughter watch because of all the swearing. 
And I let her watch the first one, and she kind of sat there for a second. I was like, what do you think? She's like, how do you make that noise with your mouth, Mommy? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, Is that, how do you make that noise, the beeping noise with your mouth? And I was like, no. So. <laughs> because a- I'm swearing. I'm swearing. And she goes, but you do that all the time. <laughs> there, there was an interview with um, yeah. Gordon and his kid. And yeah. They were they were interviewing the kid and they said, "Hey, can you get an impression of your father?" And he goes, "Can I swear?" <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much my my question every time now before any interview. I'm like, because hey, you gotta warn me. I gotta I gotta figure out how I can stop from swearing. So, so okay, so I I help you uh, with your Facebook page, and I, I want to just mention the kind of uh, seedy. Uh, Direct messages God. that come through, no. um, Nick, oh. and stop sending messages. It really is me. I'm sorry. And so, um, the kind of like, uh, uh it, it's mostly men. Uh, oh. yeah, not ninety five percent. On behalf of all men, I'm sorry. Yeah, and it, 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 it's it's really kind of uh, it's funny. Um, you know, I can't be honestly. I think a lot of um Fox like production because there were some scenes and some other outfits there were, and I did get in the hot tub, and I'm so happy that they didn't play any of that because I, I would worry for my life because <laughs> the, those messages are just so, out uh, of this world. Well, like, so, okay, like, so, so, the person is going to be like, oh, yeah, cool. Let's, yeah, here's my number. <laughs> right, and so you you win this national contest and, and uh, essentially, um, you know, beat out, you know, 16 other chefs and, and the best these guys, you know, these people say is like, you know, you look great. Uh, it's is there any sense that like, like they're not sending photos, are they? No, no. no. Okay. I, well, I, I, get, I get those on my Instagram. Oh. Like, oh. <laughs> Nick, stop sending pictures. <laughs> Heard. <laughs> um, it's it's crazy, especially like some like one guy was like, hey, uh, if you come to Canada, I, my, one of my best friends, Taylor Swift, I'll get your daughter an autographed picture of her. Here's my address. I was like, yeah, dude, that sounds legit. <laughs> I mean, if he gave you your address, can we like yeah. totally prank him? Uh, and then <laughs> Send him like the exploding. And there are people doing that. There mm. are some big bloggers that when they get people sending dick pics, yeah. they'll like send a note to their mom and be like, hey, I just got this picture from your kid. And she's like, I'll take care of it. This <laughs> one guy always comments on the Facebook, on um, the Health Kitchen Facebook page. He always comments, like, when is she going to get in the hot tub? It's literally a shared page with his wife. <laughs> like, I just want to. Like, oh. <laughs> well, all right. I mean, there are some relationships that are open. <laughs> Yeah, no, know. let's be honest. the The shared Facebook page, the initial, the immediate question that comes to mind is, which one of you cheated? <laughs> uh, if you notice, Jesse's voice got a little deeper. <laughs> so, yeah, and then another one said, "Like, hey, when do you want to get married? Um, you don't have to sign a prenup." I'm like, uh, you, you, you should forget about signing a prenup. Get out of here." Well, you are you are going to Vegas, so I mean, that's you know place to do it right? yeah. so all right so here's maybe a potentially too serious question uh for other fellow female chefs out there that are in the industry that is a lot of male chefs any any advice for how to deal with you know asshole guys or you know other things like that i'm trying to think how to well so so th- this is this is something that came up in the articles as well yeah in, in in the um 
the brigade articles that that uh, Vato mentioned. Um, yep. This this kind of culture of misogyny that that exists in the kitchen. So yep. how- and it's this real thing. It's something that I've been dealing with since culinary school. And literally, we ha- I had all really like I said, the, my one of my instructors, but I had really you know dominant, angry, mean male instructors. And the only female instructor I had in culinary school was kind of like a mousy um, pastry instructor. And so I'm just, you know, we're not being represented in the, in the best light, in my opinion. And almost even more difficult is, I don't like to toot my own horn, but to be an attractive woman in this industry, people are like, oh, of course you are where you're at. You know, you're good looking. And I just want to be like, fuck off, dude. That has nothing to do with what my food tastes like at all. So just, you know, for anybody that's, that's struggling with it, just put your, put your head down and work and learn and just, you know, make Everybody that, you know, um, is doubting you or hating on you, make that your motivation and be better than them. Like, I would do that. When I first started at the cook's house, um, Chef Eric would be like, you know, you're not ready. You're not taking this seriously. You're not good enough. And I would go home and research the shit out of whatever I screwed up that day and come back the next day and be like, hey, look at this. Look what I can do. You know, like, I, I'm not here just to be a pretty face. Like people, um, you know, even on the internet, like I said, of course you won, you know, like, we'll look at her and like, that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. So thank you, Chef Ryan, for being with us, taking time to talk to us. Uh, best of luck in Vegas. Thank have, you. Have a awesome time. Uh, I really gambling and drinking. So what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> go represent Detroit. Go hang out at the, uh, the Detroit. Well, well, I mean, represents sorry the city, the D, uh, the D, is what the D, um, at the D hotel. That's that's what I was trying to get to. <laughs> it was a long way there. So, thank, thank you, Kim. Talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Yep, thank so, you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to the Herd podcast. Really appreciate Chef Ryan coming out to talk to us. Had some great Traverse City whiskey. We are going to have amazing guests coming out in the future. So stick around. We will be back next time for another amazing episode.